Are you a healthcare organization struggling to achieve success? What if I told you that success not only depends on strategy, but also on the right mindset? At the Mindset Gap, their team of seasoned consultants understand the critical role mindset plays in achieving organizational excellence by empowering your workforce to think innovatively, embrace change, and adapt to new challenges. So imagine your workplace, one where your employees and patients thrive, where creativity and productivity go hand in hand, and where obstacles become opportunities. Don't let your organization fall into the mindset gap. Take the first step towards unlocking your potential today and email assist at themindsetgap.com with the referral code GENCAN20 to schedule a consultation. to the Healthcare Provider Happy Hour. This is a safe space where we invite healthcare providers to unapologetically be themselves after the working day. My name is Jennifer George, and each week I will connect you with guests and stories that will help transform your stress to success and fulfillment. Are you with me? Grab your drink of choice and let's chat. Hey everyone, welcome to the Healthcare Provider Happy Hour. I'm your host, Jennifer George, and I'm joining you this evening with a very special guest. Her name is Katrine. She's a physiotherapist. In fact, I work with her at the hospital. Um, She's also a private therapist. She does community work, um, and she's also a triathlete and a triathlete coach. So she's basically everything. <laughs> uh, she's like a superhuman, and we're talking all things and being all things. So you don't want to miss this episode. Check it out and join us with your drink of choice. Hey, Katrine. Hello, how's it going? Good, how are you? I'm doing good. Can't complain rushing in through the door, but uh, that's a standard <laughs> in my life. Yeah, I, I kind of figured that, and I'm sitting by the sunset uh, with a glass of red wine, and I'm quite relaxed, so I hope to bring a bit of uh, calmness now to you at the end of the night. <laughs> sounds very good to me. I could definitely use it after today. Yeah, thank you for joining me so much and joining our listeners, obviously, this evening. Um, I reached out to you for a very special reason, because I just love what you're doing right now, and I love that you're sharing what you're doing. And, um, you know, especially on social media, that's what I find so interesting is that I work with you. So Katrine and I work together at the hospital. We're both physios. Um, She just works in a different area of the hospital. Um, But I never knew, like, this part about you until we became Instagram (laughs) friends, right? And it just goes to show that it's hard to, to create those um, authentic connections when you're so busy working sometimes and you just don't have the time to sit there and, and chat um, enough with people about their lives, you know, your call. That's so true. Yeah. And I find we all have kind of our own agendas as well at work, even like lunchtime, right? We could sit down and talk, but everyone's kind of rushing around and doing what they need to do. So it's 
it's nice to see the flip side of everybody. Absolutely. So that's why I really appreciate you coming on. And I, I really feel like it's, this will be a, a valuable um, chat for people who can kind of feel inspired by what you're doing because you're a full-time physio. Um, and like I would say more than full-time because you also do private on top of the hospital. Um, you're coaching triathletes and you yourself are a triathlete. Plus you're a bit of an influencer on social media, right? And you're sharing that um, you're sharing your experiences, you're sharing your knowledge, and you're kind of trying to empower people um, through uh, just kind of functional movement patterns, which I think is great. Yeah, it's definitely doing my best. I, uh, I hope everybody can kind of hop on the bandwagon of health and fitness and the whole exercises medicine thing right now, because it's, uh, it's a very underutilized thing in this day and age, so... Yeah, I completely agree. And it's much lesser risk than a lot of other things out there. And yeah, I just feel like you, at minimum, you may not benefit in any other way, but almost always you do benefit in some capacity, I find, uh, from my experiences. So tell me, what are you drinking today? Uh, so I actually have my uh, BioSteel electrolyte supplement. So I had three workouts today. Uh, so this is the top of my list to kind of keep me going for the rest of the night and get me rehydrated for a lot of workouts tomorrow as well. Awesome. So you kind of microdose um, the electrolytes throughout then because you're doing yeah, workouts? Yeah, depending on what I do. So earlier before I had my private, I had my third workout, uh, which was a run. So I'm just kind of fueling up now because I had to go straight to my private client after. So amazing. Amazing how you're fitting it all in. I love it. So. <laughs> Tell me more, so enough, like enough about your work so much, but tell me about like who you are, right? Who, how, who you are speaking to, to what you do all the time. Tell me more about yourself. What a loaded question. I know. Um, <laughs> so probably my biggest thing right now in my life is I just recently got married in July. So I'm trying my best to balance having a uh, husband around and uh, him putting up with me because we actually were long distance for almost six years of our relationship. We were going back and forth between Canada, uh, the UK and America. So now we're finally living together and uh, trying to focus a lot of time to help build and foster a really good solid foundation and relationship between us. Um, and then with that, I'm also training for my first full Ironman in July, which takes a lot of time like I did not realize the extent of it I'm about 15 hours or so a week of training right now for that specifically wow yeah it's uh it's a lot and it's tiring yeah I can imagine yeah and uh but it's fun well, yeah. I mean the days that it is fun it's fun the days that it is hard it's uh quite taxing and you know when the alarm goes off at 4 30 a.m and all you want to do is sleep and it's dark and cold outside it's definitely uh definitely a good test to yeah kind of your mental strength and then I don't know I also enjoy things like quiet nights and with my friends I don't do the whole party scene anymore that's kind of way past me I don't have the capacity for it so yeah. anybody who you know likes to sit with a glass of wine and uh speak about good things in life that's what I'm up for yeah so. that kind of fuels and uh, fuels you right given how busy exactly. you are Awesome. So uh, with your relationship too, right? Sometimes I find uh, like just having 
had to put so much effort into all of those years of staying connected and grounded. Um, I, I hope that now that you guys are physically <laughs> more close, <laughs> that things would be, um, you know, easier to overcome in a way because you've been through so much, I'm sure, being so so far apart sometimes. Uh, I know it's not always easy, but, um, you know, I hope that uh, that it all kind of helps, right? It just it is. It's actually continues. great. And um, it's surprising. The long distance made us so strong with our communication. Uh, because we would Skype every single night. We'd have like specific uh, date times and whatnot. And obviously, since we didn't see each other all the time, we had to kind of think about everything that we wanted to say in the short time that we had every single time we could touch base. So now we were pretty good at getting to the point and discussing what we need to discuss and dealing with what we need to deal with quite upfront. That's awesome. And just being even grateful more so that you are together right oh, <laughs> like I went like, away that's for like three days the other day for the first time without him and I was like oh my gosh this is so challenging I can't wait right <laughs> like how did I do it for six years <laughs> yeah exactly wow that's Crazy. awesome so when did you start your physiotherapy um schooling and getting into that so I started that back in what was it 2015 mm -hmm. um and I went to King's College in England actually so I ended up going there for him well, kind of. My, uh, my great-great-grandfather also went to King's College in England. He was the dean there. So I thought it would be really cool to apply and to see what happened. Oh, wow. And uh, looking at school ratings, it, it's quite high up there. So once I got in, I was like, well, I, I can't go back. I have to go there. It's pretty cool. I get to travel and, you know, have a whole experience out of it. Yeah. Um, that was like meant to be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's kind of the way I looked at it. And um yeah, so what got me into physio was initially I wanted to be a doctor, actually. That was kind of my biggest uh, my biggest goal in life was to be a neurosurgeon. And I went to see a new family doctor after I graduated from my, uh, my pediatrician. And they, I walked in the office and they were literally like, so what medication do you need? And I was like, isn't this my like first, you know, appointment with you? Like, don't you need to do any sort of physical or anything and they're just like no just what medication do you take and I'm like I don't take anything and they're like okay why are you here and that kind of wow. hit a switch for me yeah and yeah. I was like okay well I uh that's not what I'm used to so maybe I'm gonna find a new career path and uh thinking about my passion for sports and the human body and movement and just how incredible it always kind of led me to consider physio so that's so interesting because I mean that was just that isolated experience that really changed your outlook yeah right? it was kind of shocking it, it, that is shocking and I mean not every experience is like that right with doctors and physicians um, but yet that one experience shifted you in a way and again so I do think to some degree um, as much as I believe that we control our destiny and things like that, I do believe that we are pulled in, in certain ways. And it was like, it kind of just, yeah, made you reconsider, right? And uh, yeah, or made you maybe refocus on what you really do value um, and how you can incorporate that in what you embody every day, which is movement and, and value for that. That's an interesting story. I love that. Yeah, thank you. And but yeah, now uh, working with many doctors, obviously at the hospital, I see the complete flip side of that. Um, where I mean, we have some phenomenal physicians at uh, at Hotel Dew, 
and seeing how they interact with patients and what they do and what they know. I uh, obviously have a new outlook after watching them, but I still would not change my decision if my life depended on it. So. Wow, that's amazing. And yeah. um, I totally agree. Like, I just love the collaborative approach. It's the best thing to be able to be a part of a team that does that and everybody just wanting the same goal. Exactly. <laughs> work towards it together. Um, so when you finished your schooling, did you just start working at the hospital? Like, was it like that <laughs> quick of a transition or did you work somewhere in a different setting in between or... Oh, I did a little bit of everything. So oh. I uh, I started out actually, because I did my schooling in England, I had to come back and work as an assistant for a little while while I was waiting to write my board exams because okay. it took about a year of processing for that. Um, so I worked at a local clinic, uh, just like a normal um, orthopedic clinic. Mm -hmm. And that I was a physio assistant. And then I moved to another clinic, which was a little bit closer to home. And they kind of gave me an offer of, start as the physio assistant and then transition to the physio as soon as I got my licensing. Mm -hmm. So I did that. And, uh, and then after, or during that time, I applied for a float position at the hospital. And so I was working between both those jobs and I was working like mornings at the hospital and then evenings at the clinic. And then eventually a uh, temporary full-time job came up at the hospital and I jumped right on that. And I'm, that was probably the best decision I could have made. But knowing me, I, uh, I got bored again. So I picked up another part-time job <laughs> at another orthopedic clinic and was working three nights a week there and Saturdays. Yeah. Um, but now I let that go, um, mainly because once my husband ended up moving here, I decided it was time to work on that relationship. And now I just do private. After wow. Hospital. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. And I mean, I'm glad you did make that decision. I think, I think um, sometimes we can have a bit of an imbalance there where we're working so much. <laughs> yeah, yep. I've so, definitely learned that way too many times. <laughs> yeah, it was a good call for sure. <laughs> to I definitely I was just speaking about this today. So with my newsletter group, I actually had just sent something out today to everybody on letting go and the power and letting go and how that in a way gives you more control over what, over what you value. Yeah. So that's, that's interesting that you said that there. Um, and it feels so good. And then like yeah, the idea of having <laughs> the flexibility for my private clients being like, you know, I can't today. Like I don't have the capacity or I don't feel well enough. I don't feel the pressure to have to kind of over exert myself although obviously I will because I would never pick up a, a caseload that I couldn't maintain I don't think that's fair on anybody exactly it's nice to just feel like I have that power if I need it or if I ever want it right yeah I really um, think flexibility is a big thing and I think yeah. that's a part of being autonomous um, I'd like to see more of that in general, like with physios and with healthcare providers in general, because I do believe that's a big factor in burnout reduction is having control over your productivity, your scheduling and all that stuff, right? Like if you know that you can be um, productive in a shorter period of time that day and you can still give your patients the best care, then right. like why not right like you're not shortchanging anybody I don't know if time is the best indicator of quality right I, I, I'm definitely right there with you I think in all honesty it's probably the opposite because I find if I have eight hours to do something I'm yeah. gonna 
go at it nice and slow and get distracted and multitask and do other things. Whereas if I have like two hours, I'm like facing yeah. all like <laughs> everything's just I'm zoned out and getting it done. Right? Yeah, you're locked in completely. I totally agree. Um, so that's that's cool that you you relate to that as well. Um, so when you got into the PT profession, then even when you started in the ortho area, uh, more so. Uh, like what did you encounter? What were the positives? What were the challenges? Maybe what were the surprises um, from your schooling to your actual profession? All right. Um, so positives, I would say working with people is potentially the most rewarding thing I could ever imagine. Like seeing the progress, especially in a neuro position, mm-hmm. seeing the progress with our clients is outstanding and being able to sit down and talk to them about what's important, work on functional goals and help them strive towards the outcomes that they want. I think that is the most incredible thing to watch and to be a part of. Um, but on the flip side, also working with people is, uh, it has its days, right? Where you get, usually I find families are the biggest challenge to work with. Um, because of course they always want to advocate for their loved ones. But unfortunately, a lot of the times they aren't really there for most of the treatments or for some of the sessions. They don't really understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. So trying to kind of modulate between them is really, really difficult as well when you do have the more difficult patients or the unmotivated patients. Mm-hmm. I find that a big thing that we need to try to overcome because if their motivation isn't there, there's only so much we're able to do. But at the same time, like, if we're not able to motivate them, are we really doing our jobs? Right. Yeah. I do believe that we're accountable to some degree to motivating, right? Like, I don't think that's another, I think that we have that capacity to do that. I think all in all, we are kind of coaches that way. Um, So with, with your challenge with families, um, I'm just curious. So when that situation happens, um, do you ever encourage them to step in more and be more present? Like, do you yeah, ever, absolutely. Yeah. And then do you find, or do you find some don't realize they can be, or some don't want to be, or a little mix of everything? Yeah, definitely a little mix. I think it's dependent on kind of what the relationship is between the client and their family, mm-hmm. and as well as how much each of them are around. Because like, so unlike you, I'm out in the community right now, right? right. You're in the hospital. Um, so yeah. I see people in their homes and there isn't always the same support system or there is an overload of the support. Right. And so we'll find, you know, some families be like, well, we want all these exercise programs or I want to help them out. Why aren't they listening to me? I just want to be there for them and get them going. And it's, you know, the spouse that's trying to give them a kick. And then obviously the, uh, the client doesn't want to listen to the spouse all the time because they had, as they report like years of nagging already. Right. right. Yeah. There's and a history. Put it nice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Do you find that even in hospital too, though, that um, patients sometimes will respond better to, to myself um, yeah. Being, uh, yeah, being a staff member as opposed to family? And I experienced that as a caregiver. My dad, who I care gave for for many years, never, I could never like educate him on anything. <laughs> um, I could even just to carry out exercises with him. He just didn't, I was just his daughter, right? Like I wasn't. <laughs> Being, like I, you know, I wasn't a physio to him, um, but even though he he always resorted to me for medical advice and things like that, I just found 
um, he was good at keeping those boundaries actually, you know, cause otherwise I could have depleted myself more really, um, by providing that type of care. Um, yeah. It's kind of nice that he did that. that I think so too. Right? Yeah. I, looking back, I mean, at the time it was frustrating, right? Because, um, I remember one time, um, a paramedic came in cause we had to call EMS and she had said to me, um, uh, I really think he needs a walker, <laughs> something along those. So I'm a physio, right? <laughs> so I'm just like, oh my God, that was like <laughs> the biggest blow. Um, not that she knew I was a physio, but I'm like, yeah, I know he does, but he doesn't uh, want one and he doesn't know how to coordinate the use of one, right? Just cognitively, my dad couldn't And uh, at that point. Um, and so it was just, it was just a hard thing to hear, I think, because it was like, yeah, I know, I know he needs one te technically. <laughs> Right. there's a lot more to them <laughs> yeah that's so true yeah then you just see um so one of the things that you speak about uh which i think is really great is collaboration and the importance of sharing knowledge um one time i had chatted with my sister she's in education and she um had heard like through one of her mentors at one point um that education should be shared and not hoarded and that's yeah. what I believe about healthcare. Like healthcare should be shared and, and not hoarded or ed any education of it. So, um, and I know you speak a bit about this as well. So can you tell me kind of where that came from? I think my biggest thing is just having a nice passion for like research. So kind of always reading, you know, new, uh, new papers and new, um, ideas that kind of come out mm -hmm. you think okay well there's so much of an abundance of all of this so there's enough for everybody to be able to access it and still thrive and still have our own um qualities that you know yeah. are focused around you know you being an individual right because not everybody's going to share the same experiences not everyone's going to learn the same uh, education They're, we're all not going to come from the same place so we might as well help each other out and then we could develop and build and grow on all of these ideas instead of keeping it to yourself because that doesn't really get you that far right yeah that competition versus collaboration or that comparison versus collaboration I find yeah. I find that's detrimental for sure and not only like yeah I just think it's detrimental to one's um, own well-being like the, exactly. the, yeah, like the professional's well-being, um, you know, and that's a hard thing, I think, to balance when there is a lot out there on social media. Um, I remember um, just seeing so many professionals, not even, not just in, like in physio, but I'm talking in general across the board on social media, like bashing other people's content and, you know, try, you know what I'm saying, just to try to sensationalize themselves and build more yeah, presence for themselves. And, and I just... Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's coming from a place of integrity. Um, you know, as a client, I would question that. If I think if anything, that. it's a little bit, it, it seems like it's more insecurity when people do that, right? Because they feel like they need to validate their own thoughts and feelings and in order to put other people down and say they don't have the same opinion, right. then they, they almost take a greedy approach to that, right? And even you'll see that, I find, in the healthcare environment where, uh, someone might mention a diagnosis and if it's not clear black and white people argue it and rebuttal it and sometimes it's a little bit more detrimental right absolutely yeah I totally agree um, and I think 
I think the awareness is getting better. I think people are more aware of the collaborative approach, the community approach. Um, but I mean, like you said, we're people at the end of the day. Um, and by sharing knowledge, we can learn more about what makes us unique in our professions because we all have something to give. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So what, what do you, what's your unique gift to your profession? What do you think that is? What makes oh you, gosh. what makes That's you, question. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would probably go, oh gosh, where do I go with that? Problem of my experience in playing lots of sports and working in teams growing up. So because of that, um, I have a pretty good background in collaborating with other people towards a shared goal, right? Kind of the definition of a sport. So I was actually a goalie in hockey all through my childhood and my uh, young adulthood as well. And I played like travel teams and whatnot. And to be in that position, it's quite demanding to have a lot of pressure on you, but also need to work with the team and come up with plans so that, you know, I'm covered when I need to be covered and I can help them when I need to help them. Mm -hmm. And so having that kind of background ideas in my mind, I feel help bring me forward as a professional because I'm able to just, you know, look at things from other perspectives, even crazy things. Like if somebody takes a break away on me and I'm like, why the heck wasn't my team there? And then I talk to them after and they're like, well, because I know you had it and I had you after that point and that was the plan. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's fair <laughs> enough. And uh, it, it teaches you almost to be transparent with other people and, you know, ask questions and as well understand that you're all part of a team. So say I got scored on and, you know, it's not only my fault, it's everybody else's fault, but it's also my fault, right? Right. So yeah. kind of got that a huge team working uh, aspects that came out of it yeah kind of like there's um just that team like you just have a, an amazing way of being a team player right and exactly. um yeah and just being accountable with the team and not just blaming one person right so everybody takes everybody takes um the hit for the team and the success <laughs> exactly and everybody has a different role right so yeah even considering that in the healthcare setting, I think it's really important to know that everybody has not their place, but they have a, an area they're very good at Yeah, and being able to work within that. And then of course, carrying over my uh, sports background uh, helps me understand the human body and the movement and the function and what pain feels like versus uh, delayed onset muscle soreness versus injury. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I can kind of have like a good perspective as I've, I work mostly with neuro now and I've had like 13 concussions, like a ridiculous amount. Wow. So I get the brain injury thing. <laughs> Holy smokes. I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wow. Back in my prime. <laughs> oh my gosh. And that, those were sports related. Yeah. 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 Mostly. Pretty much all of them. So I have that. And then like, all, obviously all the injuries growing up from playing sports. So I can relate on some mm -hmm. grounds, not all grounds, but I can, I find I can relate to the patients with that and then understand how the body functions and moves and reacts to all of these uh, incidents. Right. And so you kind of come from that wholesome place in a way you can kind of, like you said, see perspectives and relate as much as possible based on your own personal experience. Um, and also I'm, I'm and your growing experience with other patients too. I love how you kind of started ortho and kind of went more into the neuro area. I'm seeing that 
quite a bit lately and I, I find that really cool because we're kind of bringing it back to the fundamentals of movement um, with neuro and breaking things down and I, and I do that's what I love too and I just love that progressive approach of building things up um, yeah you know I just I think that speaks a lot to who people are right that do those things um, so so how do you, so I think you kind of spoke to this a bit, but like, how do you manage your training with your personal life, your professional life? Cause you're so like, you're training 15 hours a week. Like, <laughs> like how do you, how do you do it all? Are you very, like, do you actually have things documented in terms of a calendar? Like, are you that regimented or? Yeah, I'm definitely that person. I yeah, uh, have to be. <laughs> exactly. There's no time in the day, right? So I meal prep every single Sunday so I don't have to worry about my lunch and breakfast and everything else throughout the day because as a triathlete as well, I have to eat a ton. Yeah. So meal prepping is probably my biggest saving grace with that. Mm -hmm. And then um, with my training schedule, so from my coach, I actually have it uh, a week before I can see it. So I can kind of plan out my entire week where I need to be, what times I need to start my training each morning or, you know, what evenings I need to double up my sessions with. So that part really, really helps, I find, because I'm able to get a picture in my head before the week even starts and right. I can make all my plans around that. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, calendar is probably the most important part about it all is making sure I have everything organized with each day and give myself enough time to get where I need to be and still, you know, not feel extremely saturated and overwhelmed, which yeah. doesn't happen all the time. There are a lot of days where I'm struggling and rushing and, but yeah, would, it's just you wouldn't planning. Change it. Yeah, it really yeah. is planning and, um, and just determining what matters to you. Right. So, you know, would you be happier with, getting like with sacrificing something and not doing what you're doing. I don't know. You probably wouldn't be. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, not at all. I'm right? not a person who can skip a training session to sleep in. Like right. that'll destroy me for the day. And that's all I'll think about is, well, why did you sleep in? Why didn't you just go to bed earlier the night before? Yeah. Like I like to be regimented. I'm very type A in that regard. And uh, I think my husband hates me for it some days because he's very <laughs> uh, type B passive. Just, yeah, whatever, you know, it happens. Uh, <laughs> Whereas I'm like, no, balance, though. I can't do this. <laughs> oh my gosh. And you spoke to having a coach, which uh, I know he, you know, you're, or he or she is your coach, um, like your triathlete coach. But I think too, like, um, I, I, I'm a big advocate of, of coaching in general. And I think everybody to some degree should have a coach. So I know for myself too, like um, I cycle and I go off and on with coaches and mentors and stuff. Uh, for myself, even just professionally. So having a coach, because I like what you said there about having kind of a projected schedule so that you can plan your life around kind of what's anticipated. And I think coaches are really good at doing that, right? They're, they're really good at preparing you uh, for what's next, but also asking you about kind of how you feel presently, or, you know, even when you're training, kind of um, connecting with you while training too. Um, I think is super important. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of coaching, whether it's, yeah, physically or uh, personally, professionally. I think we all need some guidance sometimes. Exactly. And there's so many different outlets for it, right? It could be a life coach. It could be someone who's helping you with your diet. It can be a social worker, right? Yeah. Anyone yeah. who's there to keep you accountable and on top of yourself yeah. is 
yeah, I think so essential for success. I totally agree. I saw um, on your Instagram, KMS Health, but when I go to the website, it, um, it doesn't load for me. So are you kind of under construction there or are you? Yes. Are you? So I thought because it yeah. used to work because I remember back when, I, when we first connected, it worked. So, yeah, so yeah. I'm really rebranding a little bit ah, lately. Good for um, you. So soon enough, once things go through, I will uh, be known as the trifecta. And uh, it. so that'll stand for, so it's spelt with like a PH, so try P-H-E-C-T-A. Yeah. Uh, so it'll stand for like um, physiotherapy, physiology, and physical health. Oh, I love it. So. Yeah. So, cause my husband is the physiology side actually, and he does physiology and nutrition. So okay. eventually we're going to team up with that in the, uh, hopefully not so far future. Good for and, you guys. Yeah. So I'm kind of dropping the KMS health, um, blog at least. So everything else is still up, but the, the blog, I'm going to move over to the new sites once it's ready. Yeah. Cause that content still would be great. Right. To have. Yeah. 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 It was a lot of work. So, well, I wish, yeah, exactly. Uh, well, I wish you a lot of success with that. I think that's super cool that you're onto something else. <laughs> you're, continu you. you're continuing to evolve and grow and let this passion lead you. So like, have you ever reached a point in your career pers or personally even that affected your career or profession? I know you haven't been practicing super long. Um, but did you ever realize that you felt depleted at one point that you had to make a change? Otherwise you were kind of suffering more. Uh, did you ever have to, did you ever hit that point? I actually already have a few times as crazy as it is. So the first time it ever really happened was when I was working in one of the clinics and the reliance on things like electrotherapy and passive treatment, like ice and heat and whatnot, just witnessing that I was like, what am I doing? Like, this is that like I'm not treating like this that was at the point where I was actually working as the assistant yeah um, and I was just like I this can't be my career like I'm not going down this route I'm not seeing four or five patients an hour like pushing them through the door I'm not getting good treatment I'm just getting like these passive modalities mm -hmm. and uh I felt so unmotivated to go into work every day with that. Cause I was just like, I'm not, people aren't getting better. I'm not watching them progress. I'm watching them be complacent and, you know, maybe feel mildly better at that moment in time, but not actually getting better. Mm -hmm. um, so that took a toll in being like, you know, did I make the right decision? Right. And, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's crazy. Like the different thoughts working with different people as well. And then there's a few times actually currently um, working in my current position in the community where we go through peaks and troughs in our caseload. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we, and we had it recently where we had a full caseload of people that were not at all motivated and essentially just on our caseload just because we got referred and the families wanted them in. So we would go in and they don't really want us there. We have to fight with, not fight with them, but we have to really kind of, you know, give them a good push and a speech and <laughs> encouragement exactly to get them going. And those are the days you leave and, and you finish your day and you're like, I did not help a single person today. And it sucked because mm -hmm. we only see um, like four or five people a day 
on the road because we have to travel between houses and whatnot and we do an hour treatment. So if those four or five people don't want to interact or engage that day, uh, it's, it leaves for some really, really tough days. So um, what do you do? Like what have you done to, to manage that? Probably my biggest thing is to reflect on it. So I actually journal uh, every single night and I'll look, I'll write down, you know, what I'm grateful for, what I forgive myself for. And sometimes it might be, you know, not being able to motivate the person, um, not being able to get the desired outcomes for the day. And then I write down, well, what can I do to fix it? So I'll reflect on that and kind of give myself that little boost to say, you know what, this was what went wrong today or what, you know, not even what went wrong, but what you know, what's bothering you or what's bothering you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then what I can do about it. And then if there's nothing I can do about it, then it is what it is and I can get over it. Yeah. Do you ever feel bad um, when you can't motivate a patient? Like, do you ever, like, instead of the patient not being motivated, let's say, because a lot of times that that's going to happen, but usually we can connect in a way that can empower them and, and help them become more motivated. Do you ever find though that with every tool <laughs> in your box that you try to use, do you ever feel bad when you can't be that therapist who motivates them? Not to, we really do. just putting that on ourselves, but I feel like for myself personally, um, I do. But Oh yeah, I, I definitely do all of the time because it's like, well, why, why couldn't I connect? Why couldn't I make, oh. you know, give them that boost that they need, but and sometimes I find it even harder because they can literally just say, don't come into my house. And right. you're like, okay, well then yeah. I can't, I can't even do anything from this side of things. Right. Yeah. And it, it is quite demoralizing at the end of the day, if it, oh. if you can't help them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you said something interesting there about being in their homes. Really, that is the most empowering place for patients to be, right? Because in a hospital, they, you know, or in a clinic, like they're in somebody else's environment. They're in our right. environment, essentially. But when you're in their home, they can be more strongly unmotivated because it's their home. <laughs> it's yeah, like, exactly. you know, like they could, like you said, you could literally just, yeah, not be welcome there anymore, right? Exactly. Um, or not feel welcomed. That's interesting. Yeah. So what is your advice to those, um, so to those people or those clinicians who are struggling to kind of find their purpose, find their fulfillment, um, and are kind of at a crossroads right now, maybe debating, did they make the right choice? I think my biggest thing is to sit back, reflect on what you really love about it and what you're really struggling with. And if the list of struggling with is higher than what you really love, then maybe you need to get a little comfortable being uncomfortable, step outside of your zone and maybe look at something different because uh, it's scary at first. So just like me um, starting in the clinic and then dropping that completely for a temporary job at the hospital yeah. um, was scary. Very, very scary, especially because I'm like, I have it made at the clinic, pays good. Um, hours were somewhat decent. You know, it was benefits were pretty decent. And I was like, but it's not what I want to do. Yeah. Um, you wow. just need to take that step back and reflect on why you started in, in the career path that you went down and how you can adjust it to make it as exciting as it was the first day you started university in or whatever college um, in that position that you're in yeah. because there's a reason why you're there. Yeah, exactly. There was a reason why you showed up to that. Like there was that initial instinct, whatever that was. 
um, back then that got you there. Um, I totally agree in being true to that. But my my story parallels a lot with yours. Like I left a full-time position um, and took a chance on a casual at the hospital and ended up turning into full-time. But when I got to the hospital um, and in that role, I felt like I was home. Like that's kind of what I felt like I was doing for years prior trying to do in my previous careers, right? Like what were you doing prior? Um, I did a little bit of everything too. I I started in ortho for a couple of years, um, for a few years, two or three years. And then I did ended up going part-time ortho, uh, full-time, uh, long-term care. I also did some community on the side, but like with CCAC at the time. Um, so I did a little bit of everything and I always had a progressive approach to care. I always like in long-term care that I, I was met with a lot of resistance, um, dealt with a lot of like head on conflicts with frontline staff because, um, after all these years I was trying to help patients off mechanical lifts and things like that. So I had this very rehabilitative approach and it was kind of good timing because that's when the restorative care model started. So it seemed to just make sense, but not everybody was able to embrace it right away. Right. So it, it took a lot of, um, it took a lot of just back and forth communication and persistence on my end because I I just really led with the, with the resident, sorry, at the time, because like really that's their quality of life, right. Regardless of where they're at. Um, you know, so I, um, and I feel like everybody has potential on some level level to feel better, whether it's physically, emotionally, um, you know, just their overall well-being. So I was able to add a little bit to their physical well-being. So I was a big advocate in long-term care and, um, and eventually everybody did come around and, you know, and it was all good, but I was met with a lot of resistance in the beginning for sure. Uh, yeah, but. and that's that's a tough position too. Like I give all long term care therapists like huge kudos because yeah. it's it's hard to watch sometimes. And a lot of the people have the thoughts, "Well, I'm not getting better," or "This is my new reality." And even though it doesn't have to be, that's how a lot of the patients feel, right? Yeah, yeah. I so again, a lot of coaching there too. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. And a lot of connecting, like you, you know, just because again, I always saw it as me being in their home. When I worked exactly. in, in long-term care, for sure. Uh, so that's amazing advice, Katrine. Thank you so much. So tell me, we're going to wrap up right now. So tell me now where people can find you and connect with you until Trifecta comes into full effect. Yeah, and I'll make sure I let you know when that is. So yeah. uh, on Instagram, you can find me at KMS underscore health. So that's my initials. Or if you look at it, like kilometers underscore health. Oh, I love um, it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> was that intentional? <laughs> um, it wasn't, but when I found out, I'm like, that is, that is perfect. Yeah. That is yeah. That's uh, of course now my initials change. So that kind of stinks. But <laughs> yeah. And then uh, on Facebook, you can find me at facebook.com slash KMS health. Cool. So, and any email address that um, uh, people could yes. reach out to you at for training or anything? Yeah, absolutely. And if anyone wants any uh, coaching, strength and conditioning, a triathlon, um, it it would be healthbykms at gmail.com. Beautiful. Thank you so much again, Katrine, for squeezing me in. (laughs) I appreciate having me. I really appreciate it. It's always nice to catch up with you. Likewise, I was just going to say that because I don't see you very often anymore. I I never really did. We never really worked together that much, right? Because when you were on inpatients, it was more part time. So I'm glad you're out in the community and you're, you're at it full time now. 
Yeah, it's good. Hopefully I'll be uh, impatient again one day soon, but cross Until everything then. gets there. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Everything comes in time. Exactly. And until then, hopefully I'll see you at the uh, at the gym more often. Yes. I see you walking in all the time on, when I go and swim there. So. Do you? Yeah, I just have yeah. my headphones on and I'm, yeah, I'm just pretty, I, yeah, I'm trying to just stay focused. It's hard though sometimes. It's getting busier in the mornings. So right. I do find that's a little more distracting, but um, I'm still committed always. Exactly. And you rise and you grind and that's all you could ask for, right? Absolutely. All right. Thank you so much. Thank have a, you as well. Have a good night. Thank you too. Enjoy your wine. Thanks so much. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. So if you guys like this podcast, please subscribe and leave an honest review. Your feedback means everything to me. Your reviews are what moves this podcast forward and I always appreciate receiving them. If you want to get a hold of me directly, reach out to me on social media. My handles are in the show notes and you can always subscribe to my weekly newsletters at jenniferGeorge.co so that we can stay connected. So until next time, thank you guys so much again for your ongoing support. Thank you.